Despite being the serial presidential loser that he is, Azimio leader Raila Odinga remains a force to reckon with and presently is President William Bruto's biggest nightmare. While his five-time presidential election losses are indisputably disheartening, Raila appears revitalized and actively engaged in his usual strengths, advocating for noble causes through mass action. Conversely, sometimes the protest elites become chaotic and lose their initial purpose. During the recent Samba Samba rallies, the former Prime Minister embarked on a new mission to free Kenyans from what he perceives as President William Ruto's oppressive government characterized by high taxes. Raila even initiated a campaign to collect 10 million signatures to challenge the legitimacy of President Ruto's administration. Nevertheless, the fundamental question is the significance and impact of these signatures. It is important to note that the Constitution clearly outlines the process for removing a president from office and that responsibility falls squarely on Parliament where President Ruto holds the majority. So what exactly is Raila's ultimate objective? This is the topic that my colleague Lebanon Ambisi and I will be digesting for you this evening on Global Digest. Welcome. My name is Davis Ayega. Paka yulikane sisi ni wangapi ndio sababu tunaanza harakati ya kuweka sahihi ya kuonyesha kwamba tumeichukua hiyo mamlaka chini yetu. Ijulikane azimio iko na watu ngapi? Mimi mwenyewe Raila Amolo Odinga nitaanza leo hapa hapa na nyinyi nyote mtapata hiyo makaratasi ili kabla mwisho ya wiki ijayo tuwe na masaizi zaidi ya milioni kumi. sawa sawa so before we get to the signature collection and the stories behind the signatures you asked for an editorial last week and I have delivered so should we give it a name and make it uh, uh, a religious thing <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, first of all thanks for having me back uh, number 2 I don't think you should uh, in a country that's still dealing with the aftermath of uh, Shakahola, uh, some people may not take um, really uh, the loose, uh, loosely used um, word religious uh, very lightly. But yeah, it yeah, you delivered the point home. Um, yeah, you can if there is something that you would wish, if there's a point that you would wish to put across. Because I think most of the time... Um, um, when we used to rely on on newspapers, the editorial used was used by the editors or the the management of a, a newspaper of a publication to more or less pass ac- pass across a message to society that they think should take center stage. Okay. So, yeah. so, so if you think so you have so a message that you'd like people to. So yeah. I think your next assignment, when you resume here next week on Monday, God willing, you will uh, give it a name. Agree? Uh, we can, <laughs> we can, we can uh, leave it to the people. All Let right. the people decide. Please. Yes. Um. I I think the what do you call it? The Twitter handle. Please. Yeah. They can drop it there, and 
we will we will see how to work with it all right yeah. so back to Raila Odinga Laban yeah. there has been a lot of mixed reactions following uh, the 10 million signature drive that Raila Odinga launched last week during the Saba Saba protest from where you sit as a seasoned journalist and having covered Raila Odinga for the better part of your career extensively what do you think his real intention is with his drive of signatures bit of bit of my career wow <laughs> <laughs> um it is still uh, we still don't know yes what he is he's driving at and i think for the better part of um of how he does his politics it's usually um the way he chooses to more or less play without to play a, to basically make people believe that he knows he's the one who knows how to play he's the one who knows the rules of the game and most of the time whenever you you listen to him and i think there's someone who actually uh, brought that point out clear if i'm not wrong it was his chief agent during the last election that the problem with azimio was they thought raila knew everything and they constantly waited for Raila to to basically come out and speak. So even in this case, you are you are seeing um, a situation whereby no one really knows what what next after this signature petition. Um, today he was he he held a, a lunch meeting with with um, the ODM Women League, and when he came out to address uh, the uh, his supporters or Kenyans who had uh, had been camping outside the 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 restaurant here on Wabera Street um one of the things that he reminded them of is yes he's still adamant about the signature collection only that this time he said it's 15 million um 15 million uh, signatures that he million. he said 15 of oh, 15 million yes, yes. today yeah. he said 15 okay. on friday oh, he yes. said yes, yes. on friday he said 10 so 15 million are the signatures that he's looking for and Basically, he didn't say what it is for now. That has given room for speculation, as always. I th- and I think, sorry. I think, <coughs> sorry to interject. I think what Raila Odinga can't afford at the moment is contradiction, and we seem to be having that coming out as of today because we are seeing his running mate in last year's polls, Nak Kenya Party leader Martha Karua, saying that the 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 primary objective of the signature collection is not necessarily to topple President William Bruto out of office, mm-hmm. which Odinga claims that is the purpose of the initiative. But Martha Karua, on the other hand, is saying this initiative is merely a body count to show the number of people who are in solidarity with the coalition in their course to ensure that President William Bruto's administration acts on the issues they have raised. Put so why the contradiction? Yes. So put in another way, it's uh, to show dissatisfaction that um, the Kenya Kwanza government is not listening, right? So if you look at the statement he gave on on Friday, the um, himself and uh, and his running mate, they are in agreement. But when you come to the statement he gave today, it is it is it is not the same as what he said now unfortunately sometimes that happens with with um with when you have s- numerous centers of power uh, unfortunately in azimio there's only one center of power in the sense that the only person who can more or less um mobilize uh, have people mobilize around a cause 
Israel Odinga. Um, you can just look around. The last time he decided to to go to Poland, the rest of the team were nowhere to be seen. Yeah, but again, I think he needs to find a way to basically make sure that he he's communicating with the rest of the gang. Now, unfortunately, I think within Azimio in itself, there is also that mistrust. Yeah, um, on who exactly, <clears throat> who exactly do we, do we trust? Who is who is with us and who is not with us? Yeah, it is it is this lack of communication that you've correctly put, and uh, the lack of a center of power being in existence that cost Raila Odinga his fifth attempt to presidency, and really he cannot afford it this time round to ensure that the message really gets home. So, what? Really, does he need to do going forward, considering from where he sits when he looks at what happened in uh, last last week Friday Samba Samba protest, when he looks, he sits back and and on hindsight and looks at what really transpired that day. For him, it's a success. And going forward, on Wednesday, the coalition is gearing up for another protest. Mm-hmm. So. Two issues. Number one, the issue of the collection of signatures. Is it possible that uh, some of the principals in the coalition were never aware of it and they only came to learn of it on the material day during the Samba Samba protest? And the issue number two, what does the former prime minister needs to do differently to ensure that there is coordination and there is success in everything that he puts his hands on? I think the one thing that he is doing right now is he's trying to move move the cause away from him he's trying to push it back to the people we said that um i think two shows ago he's trying to move it from peop- to from himself to the people um Mutenguni the other week was tweeting and basically saying something that will go against something that you've said in your editorial um, that ruto should not worry so much about uh raila his real problem is the people. The people he promised, I'm going to do this, I'm going to give you jobs, I'm going to create opportunities, I'm going, I'm going to I'm going to do this, this and that. And I think that's where Rayla is basically putting everything. Um if you listen to what he said on Friday, he said, I want to ensure that I I give the power back to the people. Basically, you are the ones to determine your your own destiny. I, I think it is my feeling that he has gotten to this point where he's he's more or less saying i'm about to exit the the scene and maybe i need to now make you guys um aware that you will need to to run this show on your own um if you would like to 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 have a a, a bigger reference it would more or less look like the scene where moses was was told you will not make it to to the promised land so go tell the israelites what they are supposed to do and from that point you will exit the you exit the stage and Joshua is the one who will now lead the israelites into into Canaan so quick question is who is Joshua clearly there's a lot of mystery surrounding this whole idea of signature collection and uh, because the constitution is very clear on what needs to be done or what can be done to remove a sitting president from office. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Raila Odinga, when you hear the former Prime Minister speak, he continuously keeps on citing the Constitution, especially on Chapter 1, that touches on sovereignty of the people and supremacy of the Constitution. How informed or misinformed is the former Prime Minister on this one? In, 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 in as far as First of signature all, collection. Okay. What does he mean when he cites that chapter and says that the power needs to be taken back to the people? Because clearly we were we held elections last year yes. and uh, President William Ruto was validly declared the winner of that contest mm-hmm. with Odinga coming in second with a margin of 200,000 votes. So with Odinga now coming up with this initiative that he clearly is hinged on toppling and delegitimizing President William Ruto's administration. When he says taking back the power to the people, is it a case of a referendum? Is it a case of a new election? Or is is it just basically a case of proving to the world that as things stand currently, Mm -hmm. a majority of the people are tired with how President William Ruto is running the country? I think that will that will more or less be left to another another organ of government. Um, the way I see it, either way, if you if you more or less try to do something that someone will say is unconstitutional, the the best place, the best forum to deal with that issue is at the at the high court first then if it is declared unconstitutional or it is upheld as a constitutional move then there you go you can start moving from there the thing that we we are look we are seeing is at every election cycle we constant we are we are testing the the 2010 constitution can it do this can it do that can it can it allow a, a sitting president to to initiate um, a constitution review process can it um, can it allow what a, a sitting president to form um, offices of CISs and appoint his cronies can it allow the a, form, a, a sitting president to do this now can it allow a Kenyan uh, Kenyan by, by of whatever level in society to initiate collection of signatures and attempt to pull a recall of a president or to attempt to say that by uh, amassing 10 million, 15 million votes, I, have, I am showing that the, the, the 15 million people, 15 million elected voters, I hope it is elected voters in Raila's case, have said they have no confidence in the person IBC said is the leader. So anyway, what happens after that? I think even before we talk about what happens after that, it's still puzzling because the elephant question in the room is who will get to verify the signatures? Because currently mm-hmm. we don't have commissioners at the Independent Electron Boundaries Commission and Raila Odinga clearly is against the rec- ongoing recruitment exercise of the new commissioners. So at the tail end of this process, when Raila Odinga now will declare that we've collected X plus signatures, yes. who will have verified them and what will he do to ensure that Kenyans trust the figure that he would release considering the people who are mandated to verify signatures they're not in office and by the time I believe he'll be releasing that number we will still be having no commissioners in office so how is that 
challenging and how is that really an issue considering you've said these are some of the issues that are testing the constitution how can this one test the constitution with an availability of commissioners and the independent electoral boundaries commission the people who are solely mandated to verify the signatures the dry is going across the country collecting i think when you say they are mandated to um, to verify the signatures it uh, it always depends on what function so uh, it depends what um, what avenue he will choose to use he might decide i'm going to the courts so the courts are the ones that will have to set up a structure to validate the signatures so they will have to go through the national bureau bureau, uh, registration bureau that is after or before the signatures are collected that is after the signatures have been collected so he'll say i'm going to the court with this 10 10 15 million signatures to say that this guy no longer enjoys the um, no longer enjoys the confidence of the people or i'm going to parliament to say this guy no longer enjoys the confidence of the people or but i will say myself in and but say but the last time i checked the courts do not have the registry of the people who are voters because i believe that is the that is the the, the 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 modalities that will be used in ensuring the the credibility of the signatures which should have been co- collected so the courts do not have this power or the capacity to ensure the ver- verifiability of these signatures mm-hmm. they will have to throw it back to IBC um, IBC does not have I'm the one who put in the voters okay um Raila himself said we will have we 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 are asking Kenyans so it does not mean you are a voter so long as you are a Kenyan and I'm assuming 18 years of age then you can sign that document or even maybe he's opened it up to to someone who's even 16 years of age yeah and um so when you have that kind of um ambiguity the the only person who can give you um who can give you a, a way forward or who can chart the waters for you is ideally the court system or um the national assembly or parliament in in, in itself however if you if you if you are to argue that if your argument is there is no electoral commission in place that is argumentative because the the only thing that is not there are the commissioners the commissioners deal with policy but the um, the, secretariat. the secretariat yes okay. led by marjan marjan is still in place okay yes so those ones are the ones who deal with the day to day running of the business of uh, of the commission however you still need the commissioners to more or less give uh, a policy guide a guiding on how everything is run fair point laban but at least we do agree that there are a lot of gaps in this signature collection bit by raila odinga but be that as it may we've seen top government officials led by the deputy president rigathi kashagwa we've also seen the national assembly moses wetangula who've come out strongly and saying that what raila is doing is an exercise in futility and this is what the national assembly speaker had to say over the weekend listening 
paka ijulikane Kiwaja ni wambia, sisi wakati tulikuwa na code Tulijaribu kukusanya signature milioni mbili peke ya Tukashindua, na wale tulishindua nao Ndiyo sasa wanataka signature milioni kumi Wataweza kweli, ni ngumu Mutu anakuambia, weka signature hapo Unapata wakenda kukagua, hamechora hapo ngomi Mungisha unamambia, weka signature hamechora hapo mbuzi Zote zinaambia, invalid, invalid, invalid Mambo inakushia hapo So does he have a valid point that indeed this will be or rather is a laborious exercise considering they attempted to do that when he was in court i believe but mm-hmm. it really never materialized mm-hmm. so what can we expect different this time around from so the, one of the challenges that um weta is mentioning in sorry <laughs> the national assembly speaker moses etangula is mentioning uh, in regards to the the verification of the signatures is also um, i think one of the courts ruled that ibc in itself did not have um a place where it has all the signatures of Kenyans and that also does not exist um for instance where we can actually say there there is a, an agency that has that someone can go and see Davis Ayega's official signature yeah um for even uh, the president the other day it's just the other day that he was actually launching his digital signature that can be used um to to sign on cabinet uh what do you call it cabinet documents when he is not around as he is trying to digitize the whole government process so yeah so it is a challenge even if you remember when uh, when the former president Uhuru Kenyatta and Raila Odinga attempted to do the BBI one of the thing one of the things they had a huge challenge with was collecting the signatures and even when IBC was verifying um the the voter with the voters role there there's a section that was that was uh, knocked out because they found they did not they did not appear in their in their voters role and the ones who were there at some point they had to top up yeah so it is a difficult expect especially a 15 million number i mean raila himself that is what he was targeting during the 2022 election and he came he came short he came up short even if you go by his own tally which he keeps saying it's 8.3 that you won by 8.3 million so it's a it's a difficult task but then you you have to keep asking what what is uh, what are they playing at is it just to keep to keep themselves relevant or is there something that they have at the end of at the end of the um, at the end of the tunnel is there is there something that they are working towards i think i think what is for certain is that raila appears to be exploiting the public anger that has been occasioned by the high cost of living and maybe the slow nature by the ruling regime to address some of these issues of the high cost of living and the all issues of tax considering what we saw last week during the Saba Saba protest i mean we saw a mammoth of crowd turn up by the Kamukunji grounds to be part of that process and uh, many questions here is uh, raila is the old raila back uh, the raila defend of the people as 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 you ponder on that wednesday is a big day also for the coalition and we've seen the coalition change its tact uh, when it comes to this protest we've seen the protest now being devolved to counties i mean kisi uh, put kondele to shame in kisumu 
<laughs> the kisi people there decided that enough is enough and we are tired so what does what, what do you think that raila needs to capitalize on to ensure that he sustains this momentum even as we wait for wednesday i think he's doing it and i keep saying it he's doing it in the sense that he is pushing um that one thing that um constitutional experts call um constitutional uh, you you basically have to be very vigilant like you have to show up it's your document if you don't protect it don't expect anyone else to protect it so he's more or less telling kenyans this this days when i'm calling when i say turn up turn up for this event turn up for this event turn up turn up and make your your voice known uh, your voice heard if you if you had uh, today's today's um speech he said please sign the docu- sign the petition so that it doesn't look like it is raila alone who ha- who who is raising issues against the administration because the 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 selling point for the administration the ruling administration has been raila is just a sole loser he he hasn't gotten over the fact that he has lost elections and right now he's trying to he's trying to get a handshake out of us and we will not give it to him so he's more or less telling kenyans this is your show this is your country and if they don't want to step up it's it will be our loss yeah okay president william ruto who is the man on the receiving end unfortunately is not in the country to see some of these things happening he was not in the country to witness this summer summer protest but i'm i'm sure that he was given intelligence reliable intelligence on what really transpired so clearly raila odinges is slowly each passing day becoming the president's nightmare considering the fact that the president has so many battlefronts at the moment there's Raila Odinga with his demonstrations there's the courts who are really not uh, seemingly uh, ruling in his favor and many other issues so what's the probability of the president succumbing to pressure and giving in to some of the demands issued by Raila Odinga as you answer that then we head into the break level it's going to be a very long answer so please do just proceed <laughs> um so one of the things that i th- first and foremost i i think i keep repeating this over and over again the president's biggest i agree with mutaingoni the president the president's biggest enemy the president's biggest challenge right now is the people not an individual yeah because if for instance uh, let's say raila alone just shows up what happens it's easy to deal with him but on on friday the reason why it was it, it took a different turn it was because the people showed up in various parts of the country in lodwa in meru people were showing up and they were and they, they were yeah they were driving the process there were no politicians in in sight the people themselves were driving the process in mombasa police tiagast the the mps the mps ran away the what do you call it the the people themselves went and talked to the OCS Kisauni and told them we want to go and take our petition to the county commissioner's office and then we'll disperse it only takes 30 minutes allow us to do that and it happened it's the people not not uh, Raila so what does in what does the president need to do he only needs to deliver 
what he said he will do for the people it's uh, it's really that simple and but i think that's where the problem is Welcome back. This is Global Digest with me Devi Sayega and my colleague Lamban Wanambisi. We've just uh, finished the first part of the show where we've been we've been talking about Raila Odinga's 10 million signatures bid that he aims to use to topple the President William Ruto's administration uh, and uh, is uh, upcoming uh, demonstration on Wednesday. So now we switch gears, we move regionally where we'll be looking at two issues, the halting of the Kenya-Somalia border, the reopening of that border has been halted and then we'll go to Rwanda where the President Paul Kagame has uh, urged stakeholders in the football sector not to use witchcraft and bribery for success but first things first the kenya somali border laban mm-hmm. this was inevitable considering uh, what the, the the recent spate of att- attacks we've seen in the frontier counties of garissa wajir lamu and uh, turkana where recently we've seen the al-shabaab militants which an insurgency in, in in parts of those regions so clearly this was an inevitable so the big question here is laban was is it is it is it just sheer coincidence or it's the lack of the assertiveness from the government, the Kenyan government, who are keen on, in, on, on seeing that the reopening of the border exercise is successful? Well, I think you have to look at what you are exposing yourself to. And I think at, at a certain point, the government had to sit down with itself and basically ask, is it worth, is it worth doing this? with everything that is happening yeah um there was an increased number of attacks um across border basically on our side um security agencies were were being were more or less uh, the victims in um in as far as um id attacks and stuff like that so yeah so i think you just need to take a step back look at what you have not been dealing with and like we said the last time the unfortunately this is not like um battling um the 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 bandits in in north rift or or in like these are these are people who have proved to really give any government a headache because they keep popping up when you least expect them and they are half of the time they are better equipped than 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 the local uh, the local forces so yeah so i think at some point they needed to just sit down but even if you look across the border in somalia there have been reports that um a, a joint military operation is basically ga- uh, being successful in in dealing with um pockets where the al-shabaab used to 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 reign i think just to give context to our dear listener kenya and somalia share a 680 kilometer land border so the ties between the two countries have warmed up in recent months after years of tension and kenya and somalia last month agreed to reopen their common border 
after more than a decade. So the, the reopening of the border was to happen in phased manner within 90 days. So Mandera was to reopen within 30 days of the announcement, followed by Garissa in 60 days and Lamu in 90 days. However, there has been sporadic attacks and on June 13th, eight Kenyan police officers were killed in Garissa when their vehicle struck an improvised explosive device. On the June 24th, five civilians had their throats cut in attack in Lamu near the Somali border. Some were beheaded. So the delay here was announced by our very own Interior Cabinet Secretary, Professor Kithure Kindiki, who said that uh, the Kenyan government and the Somali government need to assess on how they will be dealing with these bandits going forward. So my question number two here, Lebanese, uh, the total number here of casualties from the Al-Shabaab clearly to date is estimated to be about 20 plus people. So that's since uh, the announcement. The announcement okay. was, uh, was made. We were having a discussion with our security reporter, mm. Bruan Makong, who decided today to ditch us. <laughs> he was <laughs> supposed to be minute, part of yeah. this conversation because he's the security guru here. We were having the conversation last week. Prior to the announcement of the reopening of the Kenya-Somali border, there was minimal activity in the border and there were we, we saw minimal attacks. But after that announcement was made, we're now seeing the pockets of alerts, of attacks increasing each passing day. So the question here is, could it be possible that there is a group of people famously known as cartels who are against this plan to reopen the borders and are using these attacks to 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 either hold the process in its entirety or just ensure the process does not really kick off in its entirety speculation mm. what's your speculation <laughs> <laughs> um if your theory was to hold then your theory would have to mean that the so-called cartels are on both sides of of the of the border but if if you you've seen over over the years the reason why um former president kibaki ordered the military to go into somalia was because of the constant attacks that kenya was suffering at the hands of al shabab yeah so it was basically meant to more or less uh, tame Al Shabab, and over the years it has it has it has reduced. So I think the this the walking back of the decision to reopen the border is more the, the three border points. It's more or less um, um, to buy time so that you can you can buff you can put a buffer a proper buffer in on on our side on the, on the, and on the other side and then you can also look at how you can share you can share information on what how exactly these guys are moving or what is their next cause of action i mean the 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 the, the process of reopening borders in the country did not start just recently because i remember was it some some time in in, in in July last year, mm -hmm. former President Uhuru Kenyatta and the current Somali President Sheikh Mohamud also put in process, uh, set in motion the process of reopening the Kenya-Somali border, but the plans really never materialized. So the question here is, how confident is the President William Ruto's administration 
that now this process under his regime mm-hmm. and other and under uh, President Sheikh Mohammed of Somalia that this process will will be successful at the tail end of it all never mind the setback that has been occasioned by the attacks and uh, this subsequent halting of the reopening of the border so how successful do you think president william bruto's administration will be in actualizing this dream i think it all depends on on kenya and somalia on how they choose to deal with that common enemy they have yeah especially if they know where where exactly they keep on 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 using or on on basically getting in getting their way if i can if i can use that 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 frame um if you look at the indian ocean that that avenue was closed to them so now all they have is basically constantly making the land the land the attacks on on land so how do you deal with that if they can manage to deal with that maybe they maybe they'll they'll be able to 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 get to get some successes but i think more more so um on the somalia side they also need to talk to the, to talk amongst themselves there are, there are several other um, other sovereign other 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 states um uh, if i can if i can say that i'm, I'm trying to avoid um sounding like um, i i would spark off a diplomatic um war but there there um, the other um entities within Somalia that would Regions. like to run as as their own as as sovereign countries um if you remember president uhuru kenyatta and even to some extent uh, president um president mwakibaki had a problem because most of the time he would find himself um more or less recognizing someone from Somaliland or Jubaland and that would cause a bit of uh, a bit of some problems between Kenya and and now the the federal uh, government of Somalia so even i think at that at that level there also needs to be some conversation because those those small states have act- are actually doing much better than the mother the federal uh, state state mm. so the kenyan government back in 2011 sent troops to somalia to help win the war against the al-shabab who have been waging an insurgency in that country for now close to 15 years and in response kenya was subjected to retaliatory attacks from members of the al-shabab militants so in uh, 2013 mm-hmm. we saw a bloody siege at the westgate mall that killed uh, 67 people and then we saw one on garissa university in 2015 that killed 148 people so in in light of this previous attacks mm-hmm. god forbid if the al-shabab militants were to mount another attack in our country how prepared or otherwise are we as a nation to deal with this al-shabab militants considering we are having this discussion of reopening the Kenya Somali border and it is through these borders according to uh, security documents and security details that uh, the al-shabab use this the porous borders to enter into the country and uh, carry out their heinous acts so how prepared are we got for bidi such an event what to happen 
in this day and age i think from 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 westgate to to garissa university to um the the, the complex that was was hit here in nairobi Arimata, you've seen yeah. yeah you've seen basically you we have been learning and we have also as a country we have also known how to deal how to detect in in advance what is what people are planning and also by the fact that we are also assisted by some of the other countries that are are more developed and know how to to basically spot spot certain developments before they happen i think i wouldn't say that we are a hundred percent prepared but i think um more or less the 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 wing of the intelligence and security organs that have been given the assignment to watch developments around uh the the people who are planning terror have not have not i uh, usually have their eye on the ball yeah so i i i would more or less say in terms of uh hitting very highly sensitive targets that they've not been able to do it, and i don't think that they will succeed they, they may register success but uh, more or less the intelligence and the government security organs are very vigilant and i think that's one of the things that um the interior cs is actually working on in ensuring that the next time he's saying we are opening the we are reopening the borders that part of that agreement will 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 be top on the list okay lamban mm-hmm. we move on to our next topic of discussion which is uh, witchcraft and bribery in uh, rwanda but before that we go into no we we're not our producer norin busena tells us we move on so laban witchcraft and the bribery has become the norm in Rwanda's uh, football and the president Paul Kagame last week during a televised asked the president session with the Rwanda broadcasting agency said that some individuals particularly coaches were involved in unethical practices such as witchcraft how prevalent is witchcraft in Rwanda to warrant a presidential intervention in matters football but not that you practice witchcraft oh, uh, or uh, you are one <laughs> I have I have I've watched uh, Rwandese no so I I think the only thing about I know about Rwandan football is um two teams <laughs> it's APR and um, Rwandan sport yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so APR because um Jacob Gostmule used to Nini used to coach there and he actually won um the Sikafa tournament with them several times and qualified with them but indeed it's it's actually very interesting that a head of state would would see this as a, as an issue that I need to step in in and and try and sort out um but my main question was so has he dealt with the issue of bribery because he said witchcraft and bribery so yeah i mean i mean there is witchcraft in kenya and uh, you were telling me was it's it? called research okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were telling me yeah. that uh, the, the, the 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 fc leopards head coach patrick osims recently accused tasker football club head coach robert matano 
of using black magic to win league games. Yeah. An allegation, of course, he denied. But we have never seen the football governing body or top government officials talking about witchcraft, witchcraft in sport. Not even President William Ruto has ever come close to mentioning witchcraft in football. I don't so think... I th- okay, f- first and foremost, I really don't think President Ruto is that big a fan of football. Otherwise, we would have... Uh, like, the whole country would have known which team he supports Correct. and stuff like that. And uh, they would be always on his case um like the way they are usually on on Ryler on uh, the Azimio leader's case whenever Arsenal is playing or Gormahia is playing they are usually on his case or even Harambe stars when they are playing but um what do you call them uh, witchcraft black magic in african football is something that is there um, it it used to be a thing when the Af- if you are you are in the afcon Use it is a thing even when uh, teams from say West Africa and even here Tanzania. Do you even remember the World Cup? There was a World Cup where was it the Oracle that was predicting much? Was it? Was it? You remember? Uh, yeah, but you see that was it is in different. Yeah, that's different. yeah, but that's different. It's not um, magic. So you look at you look at um, inc- uh, incidents whereby uh, someone alleges that uh, a goalkeeper of um capital fc no no no, no let's not use capital fc um xfc um has put something under the under the goalpost or near to the goalpost so that the ball the ball never crosses the line and i either it's superstition or it's it's true because you'll find sometimes a striker is left with between himself and the post but for some strange reason, the guy just blasts the ball over the over the bar. So it's something that has been happening. But I've never even when when it happens at Afcon, when people complain, for instance, um, in the 2002 Africa Cup of Nations, the Cameroonian team, um, their coach was 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 detained briefly because um, someone from the Mali team claimed that they had put they had put a charm. On the pitch before the kickoff, mm-hmm. yeah. Even um, Sikafa matches Kenya. There was a time they claimed that uh, a Tanzanian goalkeeper had a charm in his towel, yeah. And so the the goalkeeper was used to put the towel next to the next to the to one of the posts. And no matter how many times you tried to score, it would never happen. So I remember one time someone actually came a ball boy came and took away the the towel and and ran off with it and lo and behold a goal was found (laughs) 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 so it is something and i I don't know how the 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 president of um of rwanda will go about it but he is one of the people who whenever he puts his mind towards doing something it usually is done for instance um when he dealt with ngos and religious organizations and putting regulations on how they will be performing on and how they will how their standards will be checked it is something that even um what do you call them scandinavian countries are are are, are more or less looking at and working uh working to to align themselves with in their own countries. I mean, the president is an ardent Arsenal supporter mm-hmm. and he has pumped millions of shillings into 
the success of the country's football, uh, never mind how poorly or dismally the 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 the, the Rwanda the the, the the country's national team is performing. Uh, they but, actually uh, are forced to reckon with in 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 as far as Sikafa region is concerned. They usually give um, West African countries um, a, a bit of a run for their money. Yeah. Okay, you've mentioned. The, the the countries the african continent some of the african teams in the continent that are that are, that are that are running to use this black magic so do you think this is an opportune time for the conversation to be broadened and fifa to come in and just to talk about this whole issue of witchcraft and black magic is is it is it is it something that fifa really needs to put their hands on or we just leave it at that people do the things they think can win them games and do the things that can make their opponents lose in matches we just leave it at that there are some people who are saying who will argue it's the same as you saying there's science in sports so for us our science is black magic now unfortunately this black magic thing doesn't work when you go to the world cup and you're facing uh, European teams or South American teams yeah, where African teams sometimes just end up being 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 give, being disciplined on the field but if you look at when now african teams ad, ad, adopted the science scientific um, way of playing they actually keep getting better and better and better um in the in the world cups you see them now playing better and getting to the the advanced stages the quarterfinals the semifinals and maybe um at the next world cup maybe we might see an african team in the in the in the finals Amen. hopefully it will be ghana okay all right lovin <laughs> so we are done with the original discussions on uh, rwanda with bribery and witchcraft we've also tackled um, the process of kenyan somali border being halted and now we close our discussions with the international topic of threads <laughs> the new social media <laughs> application in town so to you our dear listener who is listening to us and you have no clue what threads is all about so threads is a text based sidekick of instagram so if you're in instagram then you will have it easy uh maneuvering on the social media platform that is called Threads which was launched last week by Facebook's Meta to counter Twitter so the latest data shows that Laban mm-hmm. close to 100 is it is it 100 or 5 million mm-hmm. close to 100 million users in less than 5 days have downloaded the application Threads So the 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 question here is 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 Elon Musk the Twitter owner mm-hmm. tanking the application mm-hmm. because clearly this is a huge number I had earlier read a business story and the business story was saying that uh, you remember when ChatGPT came about mm-hmm. it took them 2 months to hit the 100 million user mark and the video the viral video sharing application tiktok it took them 9 months mm-hmm. to hit the 100 million mark instagram itself mm-hmm. took two and a half years to reach that mark after its 2010 launch so the 
question here is threads mm -hmm. will it finally be the application that will get to silence Twitter once and for all and the silencing will it be attributable to Elon Musk tanking the application unilaterally I think the success um, so if you can call it the success it, it is more can be attributed to the fact that Elon Musk had just announced a couple of changes on Twitter right so you have this you have all these things that you are being told you'll okay. be you'll let's, be limited let's to list them we started with uh, the pri price tag issue that you have to pay for you to be verified mm -hmm. then he moved from that he went to he went to he went to uh, uh, limiting the number of views yeah. the users can access to on the platform there's another there's one more thing there's one more thing uh, there's one more thing lover yeah. so you know stuff like that yeah which basically tells you um, the people of the world want to talk without being told or without being without being without their their channels being curtailed and in this case they saw someone who is acting more like a dictator in in a free world and they were just when now uh, thread came it was more or less, I think, when I was joining, I was joining so that I can just see what is happening, in, what, what is new in this thing. Yeah? And I remember I, I got the same feeling I, I, I had the first time I joined, I joined Twitter that I'm looking at how, how, am, I going to, how am I going to use this platform to, to communicate with friends, to communicate with, with people of the world and stuff like that. How different is it? Only for me to get there, and I realize it's just Instagram, but with um, with the what do you call it <laughs> with with the option of writing writing a bit too much. Yeah, I think I think I think the downsides of what Elon Musk is doing. We spoke about him taming the addiction that is on Twitter, and I think his 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 latest approach of viewing of limiting the number of views is 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 something that will change the game in the sector and mm -hmm. give threads an upper hand because you remember a few hours ago we were talking about I keep on seeing this story of the Roy Catholic priest who, <laughs> who was found in a, in a room having a sweet time with his lover Th that kept on popping up and I think for for many I speak for many mm -hmm. I think this is a bit it can be a bit irritating seeing the same thing over and over yeah. and over again. So I think, I don't want to say I can confidently say this, but I think Elon Musk will tank the social media, not unless he decides to sell it or to give it to someone else to handle it. I think more or less he will have to to do what the meta, the meta owner is doing. Basically take a back seat. If you're, if you're, uh, you're not knowledgeable on how to deal with any uh, communication issues, do what you do best. If it is making money, go make money. Um, I think it's um, uh, Dr. Kirubi who said it. Um, if, if you are not born to be, if you're not born to be a CEO, uh, if you're not born to, to be, a, to be a, a rich person, then be a CEO so that you know how to run stuff. So if you know how to run stuff, run stuff. But if you don't know 
how to if you if you are if if you know how to do communication communicate now unfortunately for uh, your friend Elon Musk he he knows how to make money so i think he should just stick to that and let other people deal with how to help people of the world communicate for with it, with each other as as we wrap up this discussion for for greater numbers do you think that uh mark zuckerberg needs to rethink on the whole idea of linking the threads application to instagram because i'm reliably informed mm. by our producer norin busena that once you activate your threads account and you decide to delete it mm. you'll be deleting your instagram account in its entirety this is not a good thing for the users is it that's the same thing i found out I was actually about to delete thread so you're already there you can move yeah I was about to li- delete thread until someone in the one of our gen z's in the office told me if you delete thread you lose your your insta and I was like no so I didn't want to lose my insta so I've just I'm stuck with thread but the could, one thing could have this been a strategy yeah but you see the one thing about um about communication is it's not static it keeps moving um if you look at when twitter started we didn't know this whole thing of hashtags or um dms like right now thread doesn't have dm but in a couple of days they will introduce it so the net value of that strategy is that it is paying off because if you're having an instagram account and you have 100 million users mm-hmm. there's no way you're going to delete threads once you've installed it exactly so you you right. you hold it there but it also gives them the chance to 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 see how you will develop the app on by yourself and then they kind of just learn also from it okay my mm. final question laban these are two men mark zuckerberg of facebook now meta and twitter's elon musk these mm. are two men who have publicly declared that they are ready to engage in a cage fight mm. in the event that happens who is most likely to be the victor in that cage fight love is it a real cage fight or a virtual cage fight regardless okay <laughs> real cage fight <laughs> real cage fight uh, i doubt their lawyers will allow them to get into, no, 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 into no. just just if you ask me i actually think they'll be doing it just for the hits okay yeah okay Yeah. Okay. Or the slap competition or the other one no. which is called the other one for <laughs> for kicks and blows it's called uh, the UFC one. Okay, UFC. Yeah. <laughs> so UFC or slap competition oh. for the two men. <laughs> uh, probably UFC. I'd go for UFC. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much Levin for for coming in and to you our dear listener for tuning in for the close to one hour that we've been digesting some of the issues, some of the topics that have been making headlines and that will continue to make headlines in this coming week even as we wait for the Azmio coalition to prepare themselves for the Wednesday protest but even as that will be happening we do urge you our dear listener to take care because we need you back next week on Monday for you to listen to us on Global Digest also remember to give us your feedback on the preferred uh, name or title for what we have started courtesy of Laban the editorial segment where we get to give you our views our opinion regarding the topics that are making headline so you can catch up on the latest episode as well as the previous episodes of Global Digest on Capital FM SoundCloud page or anywhere else you access your podcasts from until then to have yourselves a good night and asante sana Capital FM